Welcome to this presentation from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are located in the greater Los Angeles area at 9820 Lakewood Boulevard in Downey, California. We would love to have you worship with us any Saturday you are in our area. Good morning, everybody. Is it still morning? It's still morning. If it was afternoon, I would have to be wrapping up. All right, well, let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this wonderful opportunity to be here today. But also, we, Lord, we want to acknowledge our fathers. Thank you for all of them, for the many things that they do that we probably have no idea that they do, that they're always looking out for us. May you bless them, lead and guide them. Continue to be faithful stewards of you, but also to care and nurture for us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. I have a question. Let's do a survey. Anybody want to play with the survey? Sure. All right. It's going to be very simple. Okay. It's not going to be hard. How many of you, let's say, for instance, you go out to a restaurant or a, a coffee shop, whatever. How many of you look for what the Wi-Fi password is? Just a couple of you. Oh, you surprised me. All right. How many of you ignore the Wi-Fi because you maybe already have unlimited data? OK. All right. Well, several years ago, back in 2016, the Huffington Post, they posted uh, a story of uh, a restaurant in San Antonio, Texas, that chose to go against what everybody else is doing. People generally flocked to places, establishments, maybe especially if you have a computer or a tablet, maybe uh, you're wanting to get work done or you're a student, you still need to research some stuff, so why not with your meal or your beverage, be able to go sit down, study, and also get free Wi-Fi, amen? amen. All right. Well, this one particular establishment, um, I can't remember the exact name of it, but they chose to go against the trend, and instead of giving a very simple password, you know, one, two, three, four, or maybe the, 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 the numbers to their uh, address, they gave a very particular complex problem for people to solve in order to be able to get the free Wi-Fi. So much so that it wasn't just any password, it was an elaborate calculus question. How many of you ever studied calculus when you were young? Okay, those are the smart people. I am not one of those. I avoided calculus like the plague. And so there was more letters, more Greek symbols, and actual numbers. However, there was one very curious and very determined patron who wanted to figure this problem out. So he posted a photo of the equation on social media with the caption, where are the math wizards at? So eventually, he found some help after his solicitation. And then there was also maybe some other hopeful suggestions, as in, I wouldn't be surprised if the password is something like depends, and then depends on, uh, cap, you know, capital D, but capital O, and then the last letter, capital N, or maybe some variation of 1, 100%, or 100%, lowercase. 
maybe several assertions that it's just a trick question. And as a, at the time of the story that it was reported, an original user who had posted the question uh, tried every single question and could not come up with the answer. Another very social, a very sympathizing social media user said, I am sorry that we have failed you. To which he earned the noble and inspiring response, we have not failed. We just haven't found the correct password yet. We will eventually. So I don't know if they ever failed uh, if, or if they succeeded in finding the password. But it's interesting how these people were very passionate about why, why was the restaurant so secretive? You know, when we look to the life of Jesus in the Gospel of Mark, there is an air of secrecy to Jesus that maybe some of you maybe, maybe not have seen before. Maybe, and maybe secrecy isn't the right word, but maybe an aura of mystery. For instance, hold on. So our first point today, there is a sense of secrecy and mystery to Jesus. In several chapters, um, Mark 1, 23, verses 43 through 45, 411, Essentially, there's a man with a bad spirit that Jesus literally tells the spirit to be quiet. Okay? Do you ever remember Jesus just saying, hey, he does something, and then he tells him to be quiet, right? There's also the point when Peter acknowledges Jesus as the Messiah in chapter 8. He tells them, all right, you've acknowledged I am the Messiah, but don't tell anybody about it yet. All right, why is Jesus being secretive? Why is he being mysterious? But there's also, uh, how about there are several instances where demons are even told to be quiet. Mark 1.25 and also verse 34, but also in verse uh, chapter 3, verse 12, whenever the impure spirit saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, you are the son of God. But then he tells them, he gives them strict orders not to tell others about him. Finally, and this is probably where we can easily see it the most, is when people are healed and told to be quiet. Uh, Mark 144, when a man is healed with leprosy, when Jesus heals Jairus' daughter, and then also when he heals a deaf and mute man, he tells them all to be quiet and not say anything. Why would Jesus not want people to know that he was the Messiah? At least in the very first half of the book. The second half of the mark, there are no bones about it. Jesus is the Messiah, and he makes it evidently known. But the first half, why would Jesus go to great lengths to want to silence people? I always assume that just people can't keep secrets. You tell somebody not to do something, what are they going to do? They're going to blab it to everybody, right? That's what I originally thought. But as I've studied and as I've thought about this, something, there's something to it. You know, when something great happens, people try not, just they can't keep quiet about it. And word tends to travel fast, right? But let's also take a perspective of when Jesus was here on earth. The, G, the Messiah that the people were expecting, what kind of Messiah were they expecting? They were expecting a king. And when you think of a king, what, do you, what comes to mind? Crown. Crown. Power. 
right? So they're expecting a king to come on this earth full of power, full of grace, but more importantly, to be able to not only heal them, but also to be able to free them from all the people for so many years trying to control them. At this point, it was the Romans. And so Mark is trying to change the narrative. And he's trying to give good reason. Why would Jesus say, hey, shh, don't say anything? Now, was Rome a little tiny country or a huge country? Rome was huge. They were not just a country. They were an empire. And when you hear somebody, another king, another leader trying to prop up, there was no real nice democracy that, you know, we could at least vote here. There really wasn't much you could do back then. Power would continue upon power. People were political. And when you hear of another possible ruler coming about, what do you think would be their response? Or what was their response? Death. When Jesus was born, what did, what, did the, uh, what did they do to all of the babies? They killed them all. So Jesus had to be subtle. Jesus, in a way, he had to be able to share the gospel, but he couldn't necessarily do it in a very open way because people could, if people are calling him the Messiah, well, his mission may end up being a lot shorter than he would want it to have been, right? So local leadership probably wouldn't take well to him. Jesus had to be subtle. So Jesus, what did he use when he taught people? Did he just tell them point blank? Maybe a handful of times, but what did he use to be able to share the gospel? Parables. Parables. I would also sometimes call them riddles. Anybody love a good riddle? Sometimes I do when I get it, and sometimes I don't, like when I don't get it. <laughs> More often than not, I don't get it a lot of times. So Jesus has to be crafty. He has to be subtle. But I also think that he also sometimes used parables, just like riddles, because how many of you, when you hear a riddle and you can't solve it, it sticks with you, and then you have to solve it, right? So I think Jesus not only dropped these wonderful golden nuggets of truth to not only be able to help people understand what he was saying, but also be able to let it stick in their minds that when they didn't get it, or maybe he was planting seeds that eventually maybe a couple of years, especially after he had gone, that he finally meant, oh, that's what he meant. And then they would get it. But Jesus was smart. Jesus, he had to use riddles. And he also wanted to use parables because when he used parables, what type of parables did he use? He used parables related to, as we're going to talk about, planting. Were there a lot of farmers back in the day? He, he used simple stories and examples that everybody would be able to get. Now let's go to Mark 4. Mark 4, verse 1. We're going to go and take a deep dive on a, a parable that we've discussed to some degree in the past, but it fits in very well with what we're trying to, to share here. Okay, so Mark 4, verse 1. All right, we all there? 
All right. And again, Jesus began to what? And where did, was he teaching? By the lake. By the way, just a little, uh, a little, uh, maybe a little nugget for you all. As you're reading through the Gospel of Mark, Jesus mentions the boat, the idea of a boat and water more than any other gospel. As you read that, it may or may not come back in a future sermon. So just keep note of that as you read the gospel. So he's by a lake, and there's who's there? A crowd, okay? Crowds are very prominent in the gospel of Mark. They're almost like a character. A crowd gathered around him so large that he got into a boat, he sat in it, uh, he sat in it out on the lake, and while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge, he taught them many things by parables in his teaching. So there were so many people that he couldn't just sit there. He had to actually kind of go out on a boat and project his voice, and the water helped to carry it, and everybody could understand. All right, verse 3. Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came up and ate it up. Some fell on rocky plates, places where didn't have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants scorched it, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they didn't bear grain. Still, other seed fell on good soil. It came up and grew, and it produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, and some 100 times or 100 fold. And then Jesus says, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. And when he was home, when he was alone, and the twelve and the others gathered around him, asked him about the parables. He said to them, "The secret of the what? The kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may ev be ever seeing but never perceiving, and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven." Okay. So Jesus actually quotes uh, Isaiah, uh, chapter 6, verses 9 and 10 here. But then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? Jesus is kind of giving a little bit of rebuke here to the, to the disciples. One other point that I also forgot to mention was that, did everybody love Jesus? No. Did Anybody try to take his words and twist them and try to use it against them? Yep. Many times. All right. So again, there's this idea of Jesus not being completely open. He's kind of being a little secretive, being a little mysterious. But as he, as he continues on, we'll see that here the disciples come back and, and, <laughs> and they ask him about the parables. They didn't quite get it. And this is also another maybe theme that I kind of, I at least picked up on is the disciples, they want to know, but they don't always get it. I wonder, did the disciples ever frustrate Jesus by the fact that they just couldn't quite always easily understand what he was saying? You ever deal with somebody difficult that what seems so common sense and so simple, yet they just can't get it and maybe try to explain it to them a couple times. And by the fifth time, you're like, I give up. <laughs> All right. So watch out for that. Now, what does this all mean? So Jesus is saying, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand? 
The farmer sows the word. Okay, Some people on verse 15 are like the seed along the path where the word is sown. And as soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes it away, the word that was sown in them. Others like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desire of other things come in and it chokes the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times like what was sown. So what is all of this saying here? What is Jesus in this parable? What is he trying to say and convey? Now, the disciples are fortunate in that they get to hear the full, complete understanding, okay? Um, <clears throat> and, and so because they've responded in faith, Jesus is going to share with them. Well, obviously, who is the sower? Jesus. And what are all of these seeds that the sower is dropping? It's the word of God, the kingdom. And it's the coming reign and work of God in the person of Jesus. Now, the seed that's being thrown on the ground that Jesus is alluding to, there are several different types of ground. There's the first, uh, the first ground, which is it's a hard beaten path. And when the seed is, is dropped onto it, the seed is not able to what? It's not able to germinate because it's basically sitting on top and when there's seed thrown on the ground, who's going to want to come by and eat it up? Birds. The birds. They see a free meal, or at least a snack. So they come in, and they sweep it out. And much like many people, maybe they'll hear the word, but it's not gonna, it doesn't get implanted. And, and so obviously, if we don't focus on something that's so important, what's going to happen? It's just going to fall away, or it's going to get snatched up. Okay? The devil's very good at that, right? <clears throat> if a seed can't get into the ground, it's not going to get that life-sustaining nutrient nurture. And, and so it's not, and then eventually it would either be eaten or be dried up and eventually burn out. Now there's a second type of soil, the seed thrown on the rocky ground. And here it's alluded to, well, the seed can't get underneath. And sometimes rocks are rocks, fun to sit on. They're fun to throw, right? But yet, you don't want to sit on a rock. Maybe a nice flat rock, but overall, rocks tend to be sharp. Not something you want to sit on. It's also a time when Mark was written, it was a time of persecution, as Mark also alludes to here. Hey, you could get the, th the seed could be thrown on the ground, but it's not nurtured. And also, if you're a bystander and you're seeing all of these Christians, all these followers of Jesus being persecuted, and yet you hear their message, are you going to want to join that group when they're being persecuted? Are you willing to give up maybe your comfy lifestyle or just you don't want to deal with bad people? No. So there's this rocky road. And again, just like the hard, firm ground, it's not able to get into the ground. So there's, there's no opportunity to be rooted into the ground. Now, there's a, there's a third group. Uh, the third group hears of all of the wonderful progress, it's, but yet 
as the seed grows, what tends to encircle it? The thorns. And the thorns can be representative of many things in life, but it eventually those thorns choke the seed out and kills it. Oftentimes, you know what's our greatest enemy? It's what's inside here and what we allow in here, what we feed ourselves. And if we're feeding ourselves junk and listening to and watching junk, or maybe we're being told that we need this, or if you don't have this, you're not this. And what is all of that? Lies. And slowly those lives will choke, much like the thorns that encircle the good seed that eventually as it sprouts, even though it's making progress, the thorns will come in and will slowly choke it and it's no longer able to grow. It may still continue to be able to exist, but will it be a full life? Does Jesus want us to all have a full life? So we have to be mindful of the things that could potentially choke us out. So my friends, my brothers and sisters, be mindful of what you feed your minds, your heart, and also even the good food that you love may not always be good for you. Okay to enjoy, but to let it choke you out, mm. So what is it that those potential thorns that could become an inhibitor of being that, that middle thing that eventually chokes you out and keeps you away from Jesus? Finally, the last ground, the ground that falls on the good ground that sprouts up. It allows the seed to grow and sprout up and it's strengthened where all of the nutrients are there. The water is there and eventually as it sprouts up, the sun is able to bear down and give it that nutrient deliciousness that that sprouting plant needs. So Jesus gives the answer to the disciples because every one of them, they've responded in faith. And again, as I pointed out, not everybody has good intentions. And sometimes Jesus conceals the truth from the unbelievers because maybe even if they hear it, what are they going to do? They're going to want to run away. They're not ready yet. Of course, God works with us in all aspects of our life, right? But we also have to be willing to want to hear the truth. So may we always have a heart that's willing and receptive to hearing what God wants to share with us. And the parables, the riddles that Jesus shares with us, and it kind of feels like it's secretive or being mysterious. Maybe God's planting a seed in your heart and your mind that eventually as you experience life, then you're going to see the bigger perspective. And all of a sudden, you're going to think, oh, that's what Jesus meant. You know, as we get older, it's amazing how what we thought we knew when we were younger Maybe when we were kids, maybe even when we thought we knew everything when we were 15 years old or 21, 27. As you get older, you realize there's so much more that we don't know. Amen? Amen. May we come with humility to the Lord and see that this Jesus is one who wants to come into our hearts, to live within our hearts. So question. Reflection, which of the seeds do you identify with the most at this time, at this current time? Because guess what? Our lives and our spiritual lives, are we always going to be going up? Are we, have you ever always gone up, headed towards Jesus? 
Or have you ever had, you've experienced life where it feels like it's really thorny and choking you out? And sometimes you may hear something really good, but then just seems like something good, and then immediately something bad happens and it just takes you all out. And finally, the, the third one, where it's just, it feels like life just seems so rocky at times. You just can't get good ground. Amen? Amen. Trials are going to happen. Persecution is going to happen. Maybe not literally, but we all may have challenges and struggles. May we ask the Lord, please, Lord, help me, but also make sure that our hearts are good ground to be able to receive the word that God has for us, and not just receive, but to go forth as Jesus wants us to go forth. So which of these seeds do you identify with, or the ground that the seed is landed on? And in this week, pray every day as you, as you go forth, when you wake up and ask God, Lord, help me to get through this day, but not just get through it, but to crush it. But may I have great understanding of the word that you want me to know today. May the Lord help you in all things. And sometimes when the path is not clear, know that God is not intentionally trying to mislead you. Maybe you're not ready to hear something, but yet God is always ready and willing to work with you and will help you in all that you come across. May the Lord bless, lead, and guide you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your goodness. And Lord, I just love this idea of the fact that this, this mysteriousness about you, that we will not be able to know everything about you. And I thank you for that because there's so much I wanted to know. Once we know everything, we stop trying. Lord, Help us to be faithful in your word. Help us to be faithful in how we represent you. And Lord, help us to be faithful as we minister out to others. Give us opportunities to serve one another. But also, Lord, help us to identify whether we're struggling or we're, we're, we're flowing well. And Lord, especially this week, help us in our challenge to know you better. Open our eyes and our hearts and our minds. And thank you for loving us, dying for us that we might have life, eternal life with you. Thank you for that wonderful promise. And thank you once more again for all of the many dads and the bonus dads that we have in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Grace and peace, everybody. God bless you all. Take care.